0: Warriors Live podcast featuring Fonzie. Uh, we wrapped up the 2022 season in November as a bit of a lacklustre effort, uh, if we're being totally honest. Um, a tough year for, for Warriors fans and, and for us. Uh, lost a little bit of enthusiasm, but we're getting pretty pumped up for 2023 with uh, Christmas just around the corner and um, the new season will be here in no time. Um, so we thought we'd we're well, very lucky to uh, to have a special guest for a year ending podcast. Uh, Fons, did you want to introduce um, the fourth member of of the year ending pod?
1: I'd love to, mate. Yeah, uh, we we did the season review. It was a bit bleak. That's not us. That's not the Warriors. Uh, we were sort of thought it was really important to hit the end of the year on a positive note and run into twenty twenty three like we always do and. What better way than to get the man who's going to lead the club into 2023 on for a conversation with us today? I'd like to introduce Andrew Webster. How are you, Andrew? Very good, thanks, man. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. And of course, Brad Larking's here as well. How are you, Brad? I'm good.
2: I'm good. Yeah, little lonely Brad down the bottom of the south. No, I'm happy. Oh, bloody Vanuatu down here today, mate. I'm living the dream. <laughs> 20, 21, this little pale boy's blistering. Anyhow, what have we got?
1: Well Andrew, we we want to have a conversation with you pretty relaxed. Uh, we're not going to we don't want to drill into specifics about the squad and any of those things because we understand you're still finding your way around that in preseason yep. but really want to understand how you look at the game, how you look at coaching, um, and help Warriors fans understand what you're about so that we yep. have a better sense of what you're doing next year as we we pick that apart in real time when we're playing for Sheep Stations, as you've you've put it yep. before. So let me let me start with this. I've heard people say about a prime minister who's got the second most important role in the country, aside from Warriors Coach, that what they get judged on what happens in the chair when they're there. But the truth is that a lot of what they achieve was set in stone several years before, or has to do with luck and things outside their control. So do you think that applies to coaching a little bit? Like how do you sort of view what you can actually do in a short time as a coach?
3: Yeah, I think, I think to look at it in a similar way, but in a shortened term, as as in seven years, it's that's pretty long and as a prime minister's outlook on it. But from a head coach's, I I know right now I'm not going to get him re-employed or no one's going to celebrate what I've done based on a pre-season, <laughs> which, is, yep. which is obviously the groundwork for a season. Um, it is results. It's very similar. So what I'm doing in the chair right now is um, along with the staff and the players themselves, we're, we're getting ready to have a the best year we possibly can and win as many games as, as football. But there's a real process to it and – all the things behind the scenes, similar to a prime minister, that probably don't probably don't get seen. Um, yep. They're all getting in place now because I think pre seasons really can set your seasons up. I think if you if you have a terrible preseason, it, it you, it's going to be very very hard to have have a good season.
1: Yeah, no no doubt. And, and if you look at this year, so we've obviously got a new coach, and you're going to bring a new system because yep. all coaches do. We've got yep. a new we've got a new spine. Uh, really. We've got pretty high roster turnover. We've got a new home base. So there's a lot of new things happening. And we all know that cohesion is an important part of footy and a footy team. So realistically, what can we expect to see? When can we expect to see your team play its best footy? Because I look at it and say, if we're being fair, your best footy is not going to come till 2024. do, Do you have a sort of opinion on that?
3: Don't have a date in mind. Um, I think I've thought about this. i thought about early in the rounds, so trials or round one to six, I think it really needs to be a reflection on what we've done in the preseason. season yeah. What I mean by that is if we're turning up there, winning or losing, we're sitting in the changing rooms or we're reviewing it the next day, well, is, is that a reflection of all the things we've covered in pre-season? Because trust me, every coach wishes they had more time to prepare a team every single coach even the top ones there might be one or two things or there might be 10 or 20 things that they haven't covered as right now we're focusing on just purely and simply the most important things that's going to give us the biggest bang for our buck that's all we're focusing on and then the cream is a lot of people call it the stuff you put on top which you know might be our best football or might be the way we're looking and everyone's getting excited about that will come but we're focusing what's going to give us our best opportunity to win games, um, and then we'll start adding that. So we're sitting there round one till six. We've come off the field. We're sitting in the sheds, and boys, we practiced X, Y, and Z, and that's exactly what you went out today and performed. Right as a result of that, well, you're doing it really, really well. This is the outcome. This is what just happened. As opposed to to trying to come up with all the amazing stuff. Now we need a set of, we need a set of base. Yeah. And those bases have to be designed on what's going to give us our best opportunity to win games.
1: Yeah,
0: um, And Andrew, from what you've sort of viewed in the pre-season so far, the, the majority of the squad's been on this um, disjointed three-year journey in Australia, obviously very tough. Um, do you sense much of a hangover or fatigue from that, or has it sort of been superseded by the excitement of being back in Auckland, back at Mount Smart, you know, back at home, I guess, and, yeah. and some stability that they
3: haven't had for three years? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's been times in the last three years that have had stability, um, but it's not the stability that they've wanted. Um, so half the squad want to be at home with their family in New Zealand. Half the squad, might, or a quarter of the squad, might be single guys who are really happy where they are. You know, they're they're living in they're living in Brisbane, they're living in Terrigal. They're like, you know, this is this is sweet. I get to move around, and um, instability might be really good for them, but. As a whole, if patches of your squad aren't happy, that's, that's probably never going to work, as we all know. Um, but what I've sensed is that there's a real uh, – if you talk about instability, there's a guy like Bailey Siren signed for the club two years ago, and he's never, ever lived in Auckland. So uh, he signed a three-year contract, and this is his first opportunity. And the day he signed his contract, he thought he was moving to New Zealand. So I sense a real excitement of the boys who are coming home, Uh, And the boys who haven't lived here, they're getting that opportunity to have that first crack at it. So Mm. uh, it's a mixture of both. Um, Being back at our facility, because I've been there before, I just feel like I'm coming. I'll get that lucky opportunity. I'm coming back to Mount Smart. I get to, you know, it's the same facility. We've changed it slightly. There's that really cool feeling that everyone knows where they're living. They know what the future looks like. We're not going anywhere. This is how it's going to be. This is our training base. This is where we're going to play. And I think we're getting a a lot of cohesion that way. So it's definitely an advantage, I think.
0: You just touched on it there, but but does the club feel kind of the same as when you left at the end of 2016? I mean, Mount Smart's been kind of dormant for a few years. Um, Yeah. As you said, there's a lot of guys that haven't even played there with the club yet. And um, is there a little bit of a sense of it being like a new club or a
3: relocated (laughs) outfit? Um, doesn't seem like a new club because there's, there's I've said this in a, a couple of times since I've got the job. I feel like the, the there's a lot of the um, the good bones are still there of the club that I knew. Uh, like I'm in my same office. Um, we've we've knocked out some walls, we made some some things bigger, we put different prints on the wall. There's some amazing staff that were here last time that I'm glad they're still here because they're the good part of the club, and then there's a real as like I said, there's a freshness of a new squad, uh, new players. Uh, I've worked with last time I was there I worked with three, three players that are existing and that's Bunty, um, Jazz uh, and Sean Johnson. So
1: yeah. it, it
3: does, does feel like it's really it's really uh, new, but there's also that for me personally that I'm back in my same office. I know where my <laughs> desk is. I know all my way around Auckland. Um, I go into the commercial side of the business and there's five or six faces I know really well. I look at our assistant coaches. I've worked with Stacey Jones. I've worked with Justin Morgan, um, a head of performance bar and couples. I've worked with him at the Warriors. So there's a really cool feeling and there's also a sense of excitement that we've added a lot of really freshness to it.
2: That that first day when you sort of arrived back at the Warriors, you sort of planted yourself in the office and everyone sort of left the room. Did you sort of tap the desk and think, shit, this is happening? Have you had that moment? Because you're just surely you're human. Like, you're obviously a pretty impressive human. But did you, did you have that feeling like, oh,
3: this is real, man? Mate, I, I, I've had some moments. I, I, I reckon it was more the day I signed the contract. I'll say literally pen and paper and I'm going, oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, like, this is actually happening. This is real. This is the moment. And, and it was an exciting feeling. Um, and because I had another job to do with Penrith at the time and I had to move on really quickly and, and get stuck into that, I sort of pushed it to one side. And then when the season's finished, I literally flew over a week later. So I dive straight into it. And because it was so go, 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 and so many things I wanted to cover in a short space of time to pr- get ready for the boys... Yeah. Um there's been some times where I've actually had to sit back and reflect and go, this is this is what you've always wanted to do. So um right. it's pretty exciting. There's there's only 17 guys in the NRL to get to do what we're doing. So um yeah, I've got to reflect and, and be pretty grateful for, for what oh, for cool. what, what's happened. Yeah.
2: Oh sweet. Is that next one, mine? Because you sent me this well, email well and you told me it come from colours, but all black and white this is uh this
0: is this happens every weekend Brad (laughs) just can't follow the script so don't worry
2: Brad I'm terrible I'm terrible with electronic I'm analog not digital I'll,
1: I'll jump in Brad so so can I ask you a question about the system that you're going to implement or or more how you're going to go about choosing the system so yeah there's probably coaches who have an opinion about what the best system or style of play is for the modern NRL. And then you've got your own squad and you've got different strengths and weaknesses in your own squad. So at a certain point, you've got to choose the system based on a mix of what you think is the best system and what you think suits the squad that you've got. And then you've got to recruit into the squad to suit your system, or you've got to Tailor it, you know. How are you going about that thought process for this squad, even yep. early in preseason?
3: Yeah. So before we came up with one drill, or or one thing we wanted to do in the preseason, we went away as coaches for three days, and we got we sat in a room, and we said, right, what? Let's. I just said to the boys, let's not even worry about your favorite drills, what you want to do. Let's just worry about what do you think the four most important things that are going to win us. NRL games every week, yep. and they couldn't be things that were opinionated. They had to be fact. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not going to dive into them because they're yeah because yep. yep. no. every every NRL team will be going will be going through the same thing, I'm sure. But those four things they had to be factual, meaning there was stats evidence to provide that if you do those four things, you will never ever lose a game of the NRL. So then we worked backwards and we said, okay, well, what's the best attacking style defensive style to suit that outcome what those things are what's what's the best attacking defensive things that are going to be reliable um, to win those games to 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 achieve those four things then we went from that now that we know what those best things for attack and defense now what are the best drills and how often do we need to practice them and and do those drills and do that style like you just said does it suit the current squad we've got because I think it's a mistake the coaches made in the past. And I've certainly made a mistake in my earlier days. You come up with a style of play that suits you, that you're excited about, that you lay awake dreaming about. I want our team to play like this. And then you go and implement it and it's not actually their strengths. Yeah. So you're right. You've got to play to your strengths. You've got to know what wins in the NRL. Now, there are some things I think we can share. I think – I think there's a huge trend going away from completions. I think there's a huge trend more leading to possession. So what I mean by the difference yep. is everyone going, well, isn't it the same thing? Well, if you have over 50% of the ball, you're going a long way to winning the game of football. So what goes into that is, one, obviously completions. It might be retaining possession, getting repeat sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just the accumulator of pressure so and there's five or six different things that go into that so if you can do those types of things then you got to work back what type of style of that is now one thing that definitely works is you have to be a skillful rugby league team you have to be able to move the ball if there's opportunity and you have to be aggressive and play through them yep. if there's big spaces so you got to be that's a that's a given okay but i think what the thing is the style of play is Right from this sort of field position or where that play the ball is, uh, where are we going to line our best players up, and what yeah. type of plays do they like from that field position? What type of plays suit them, and then what suits our squad? So, we we have a strong, really strong forward pack, okay, and we've got good outside backs, and I reckon we've got a really good spine. So we've got to design, we've got to design some attack that's going to suit that. Then defensively, we've also got to go and work out what our weaknesses are. So no one's proud of the way the defence was last year, but we've got a new squad, new players. Um, what what defensive structure is going to improve us fast, but then also um, suit this squad and give us the best results. So just so uh, there's a bit of a method to the madness, we went away and we started, we started the other end before we even implemented what we wanted to do at training
1: understood yeah and we don't want to ask you any specifics about this squad That's all right. you're going to do because we're on your team right and we don't need other Yeah teams. yeah <laughs> we don't need other teams knowing what you're going to do can, yeah, right. can I ask you this question though about defense because obviously we had a, a poor defensive year last year on the stats yep. um how much of defense is attitude and how much is technical and structure so cuz attitude you can fix real quick and structure takes a while to embed, you know. So what what's your general view? Not not this squad just in footy about how defense comes together.
3: I honestly believe 90%, 90% of structures in the NRL defensively are very similar. Okay. 90%.
1: Yeah.
3: Um the 10% subtleties um that each squad individually does and what time how much they practice it and value it. That's probably the difference. Yeah. So it's probably not the structure. It's probably it's probably the difference is the time spent on it, um, and the difference is probably is probably how good they're at implementing the structure, as opposed to, I think there's maybe one or two teams I'd look at and I'd say I don't I don't think that's a great structure. I don't think that's suited for the NRL. So I think majority yeah. of the defensive structures are very similar. And then it comes down to what you're talking about is attitude is huge in defence. It always has been and always will be. Yeah. And they're the things that will never change in rugby league and that is defensive attitude because it's not everyone's favourite thing to do. <laughs> they, Everyone loves to attack. Um, um, but you got you got to find people who love it um, and you've got to find people who are going to buy into it um, because the thing about defence too is it's actually it's actually, there's a real pattern to it and movement And you've all got to be doing the same things at the same time. So if you're not, you're giving the opportunity opportunities visually to say, "Look, there's a weakness. I can see that that guy's moved up properly, or that guy's tired. They're not in sync. They're not moving together. They're not aligned. There's a real pattern to people's defenses. People probably think there's a real more of a pattern to attack. Um, And you've got to just completely be on the same page defensively." It's got to you. Got to be completely in sync. So, to answer your question, I, I honestly believe so many teams are doing the same structures. It's how you implement them and how you buy into it. Um,
0: Andrew, in, in the interviews we've heard so far, you've been uh, pretty clear about where you see some players playing, particularly in some key positions. Um, there's heaps of versatility in your squad. But, you know, a lot of guys that are. You know, played a lot of first grade in various positions. Um, So you do have a lot of options up your sleeve. How patient are you willing to be? And and how do you find that balance between giving it, you know, its best chance to gel and then making a change uh, when it's obvious that it's not working?
3: Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think the best part about it is we've got so much competition for spots this year. So we've got a guy like Sean who's, who's, you know, a Warriors legend. Uh, he's a halfback. And sitting right behind him is a, is a guy called Luke Medcalf who's an exciting player on the way through, and I'm happy to talk about players. And then you've got a guy like Ronald Volkman who, um, you know, he he's come here to be a, a, a long-term halfback for the club. And then we've signed to Mighty Martin. So you look at that, those four guys, there's competition for spots um, just in that little area. So how patient we are um, is... As long as we feel that they're the best person to pick that week to, to win that game of football, we'll go down that path. Um, the versatility and the competition of spots is only going to bring out the best in each other. I think every coach has said that for, for years and years. Competition's exactly what you want. I think the versatility is a huge factor because you've got a guy like, let's just look at Marata Nekorek. So Marata can play centre, he can play back row, and he can play front row. There's not many players in the NRL that can do that. So I, I haven't seen a front rower. There's an injury halfway through the game. The Parramatta Eels are moving him from front row to centre.
2: Yeah. So that just shows that's
3: <laughs> that that's crazy versatility. Dylan Walker, I don't think there's one decision he can't play on the field. I actually probably have never seen him play wing, but if he had to, he'd do a good job at it. But he can play lock, he can play hooker, play 5'8". He can play mm. fullback, and he debuted and won a grand final as centre, and he's played Origin at centre. So, their their versatility is it's really like we've got bloody
2: Phil Blake back.
3: Yeah, it is, mate. We've just got to bring the chip over the top back as well. <laughs> what Phil Blake used to be. Yeah, but all, all we all we don't want to do, all we don't want to do is these guys spread themselves too thin. We've got to find a spot for them because uh, versatility can be also his heel. So. We're going to give them enough reps so they can actually get cohesion together because we're, in, we're there's a lot of new players. So we're going to give them as much reps in their preferred positions and the positions we want them to play. You up,
1: Font? Yeah. So, well, I suppose a bit of a, a thing around that. When you're assessing performance, Andrew, um, mm-hmm. are, are you data-driven or are you looking at the eye test of how players go? Because um, – fans often will throw up a stat and say, you know, average metres or uh, errors or this and that. And without context, sometimes that can be more misleading than useful. But interested in your thought process around reviewing a game, because we review every game every week here on this pod. So yeah. is it data-driven? Is it eye test? Is it a mix? How do you do it?
3: I think it's both. I think I think all any stat you have, there's got to be vision that's aligned to it. Yeah. So, so if we, if we miss oh, – oh, that's a bad example. But if we work out like we already have what's going to win us games of football, okay, and we just throw the stat up in their faces every week and go, look, boys, you achieved this and we won. They go, great, we achieved it. You've got to show them how they achieved it. Okay. So in the review process, boys, the reason why um, we did this – we achieved this stat of over 85%, which helped us win the game, is because of these 10 clips, these 10 visual things that happened on the field that the naked eye doesn't, doesn't lie. And you go yeah. play, and you show them, and they're like, yeah, cool. So we know every time we do what we just saw on the screen and we do it more, over 80% of the time, we're going to win the game football.
1: Yeah.
3: So the visual stuff has to always match what the stat is. Um, and there's... Some stats are just aren't relevant to winning that the people sitting at home love. They're just not you, relevant to it. Can yeah. you
1: tell us that, Andrew? Because we want to close that gap, right? We, we want to know what, what matters for winning games. Yeah, what's well, one the fans bark about that you think, oh, shut
2: up? Well,
3: <laughs> well there's a missed tackle stat. Yep. Yeah. So go and look at often how many times Penrith aren't the lowest team. They're the best defensive team in the competition for the last two years, maybe even three years, actually. No doubt. And their missed tackle stat is not is not the lowest, not yeah. the best in the NRL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how many times the opposition crosses their try line, they are the lowest stat, and that's the <laughs> <Yeah>. old outcome.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's the okay. stat everyone
3: should be worried about. You know what I mean? So then I'll just take it back a bit. Well. You're not allowed to be the worst missed tackle stat in the NRL history either, because if you do that, you're certainly going to have a terrible defensive team. But I'm just, my point is, it doesn't always equal that will be guaranteed that you are the best defensive team or whatever area it is. I'm telling you, the completion one does not have the strongest correlation. If you hang on to the ball, you win. Yes, hang on to the ball. But if I give you an example, I get a kickoff. I get the ball, the opposition will give away a penalty. Okay? So us as an attack team, we're one from one in completions. They're zero from zero. So they haven't even had a chance to complete a set yet. We kick the ball out, we go down there, we get roll it in, we get a repeat. We're two from two. Opposition yeah. still doesn't have the ball. So yeah. But what's more important is we're 100% in possession. There's zero percent in possession. Okay? Now we get the ball off that dropout and we score a try. We're three from three. Yep.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a lady yep. like myself appreciates that sort of info because this is probably the disconnect sometimes with the fan is a yep. simple explanation like that that it can help us in the pub when we're talking yep. footy. Yeah, that's it. So then they kick off to us, right?
3: And we kick the ball. We kick the ball downfield, right? I, I, help I, me here. I'm sure we're four from four now, so we're 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and then the opposition complete their set. We're both 100% in completions. Yeah. But we're not, we're not 100% in possession. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. so what, about, what about yardage, Andrew? So um, a lot of talk about yardage, your back five yardage, your middle yardage, and then, um, you know, the team that win yeah, – I, I crunched the stats on this about middle of last year and the team that won yardage was winning 85-plus percent of games. Um, interestingly, mm-hmm. if you didn't win yardage But you won average metres per carry You could still jag a mm-hmm. win Because it meant you were doing more with the ball That you got versus other teams Where, where do you see yardage as a stat An important stat In, in the modern game
3: Yeah, so I, I was pretty lucky I, When I was at the Penrith I'm doing the attack and the, and the defence If we, Let's say we're NFL, right? Yep. Let's say the attack is a separate identity To the defence And they just run on the field and they just start attacking. But we're receiving the ball in good field position all the time because the defence is doing really good. So when we catch it in yardage, it's not as deep as yardage as most teams. So Mm. what happens is when they put that long kick in from their own line, we catch the ball in yardage and there's 30, 40 metres between me and the kick (laughs) chase that's coming. I get to run the ball 25 metres before they surge and meet me. So there's 25 yeah, meters yeah. in the yardage battle to us. So false, positive. false positives. But if you're good at fighting your way out of corners and you can do both. So let's say we have we're on our defensive line, we defend it, they turn the ball over in the corner, and we're really good at getting out of that corner. And this is where the, the stats have to meet the vision. You know what I mean? Boys, look, here's an example. Ball got turned over in the corner. We defended our sets three sets in a row. Look how well you get out of trouble how many metres we average, in that set. Okay? There was no kick return. But look at it, metres per carry. Great job. Okay? And look at us. Now we put a kick in and now we've turned turned the opposition around. Great job. So yardage yardage battle is huge. It is so much. You've got to have guys who can carry the ball in the backfield in yardage and be strong. And metres per carry is a separate stat, definitely. But... It goes a long way, long way to winning games, but there is a false economy there. With the fact is, when where do you receive that ball in that yardage battle, and yeah. and because of because of your defence, you can you can get a huge advantage in that stat. Hope that makes sense.
1: It does, mate.
0: Well, to Fonzie, he's he's more the analytical one out of this trio, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's,
2: it's great to get that sort of insight, mate. Yeah, and um, even the simplified version that's going yeah. to help me. I hate just looking at the <laughs> stats that they show. It Well, though, like just the yeah. simplicity of that, yeah. something that the us like laymen's again just don't get taught that often. And it's so natural to you. It's nice, nice yeah. finding a bit of a link so we can. We Can shit on someone like I said at the pub, ah, mate, you're wrong. Blah blah blah. One nil bread, <laughs> yeah, you're making me look good, buddy. Cheers, that's it. Let's keep going with that. <laughs> Always need
3: points in the pub,
2: <laughs> yeah. yes, boy. Yeah, uh, yeah. you're coming
0: into your first season, obviously, as an hour head coach, so huge year for you. Um, the Warriors have had. Overwhelmingly and, and pretty much exclusively had success with previously untried coaches, whereas the ones with a lot of NRL experience coming into this role have uh, traditionally struggled. Um, over the Warriors history, it's also a bit of a trend in the NRL over the past, uh, past 20 plus years or so. These guys are sick of me going on about it, actually. Um but that holds you in good stead, obviously, coming into uh, your first season at, at the Warriors. Would you have a view on why that might be the case at this club and across
3: the NRL? Uh, well, I, I think a lot of, a lot of um, young coaches or debutant coaches are obviously given an opportunity sometimes because they've been in a good system. Um, so they're, they're bringing really good, fresh ideas from a, a club that's had success. Um, and then... And I think that can have an initial impact, but it, there's a real thing you got to be careful there about is not copying and pasting because we just went through it earlier, didn't we? Like it's got to suit the squad, it's got to suit that squad, and it might not everything will work somewhere else. Um, but I think you get a real good foundation from those experiences. And then I think, I think with the, with the Warriors and any club, I think it's a really good opportunity for a rookie coach um, to grow with the team. Um, And not come in and, not come in and, and, um, this is my way or the highway, you know, and probably show a little bit. We're doing it together, boys. Look, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm in this with you. Um, trust me, there's going to be plenty of pressure. It's going to be for you and for me at certain stages, but we're going to handle it together and and we're going to grow. Um, and then they probably see a different side of you as a coach and they probably see a bit of vulnerability that you, you are actually human, you're not perfect. But um, I also think there's probably an element of enthusiasm um, from, a, yeah. from, a, from a rookie coach. Um, they want it bad. They're pumped up. They, they're excited. And, the, and the, the, boys, the boys can probably feel that energy and, and, and they come with you. So I think it's a variety of things. And, and by the way, I haven't looked too much into it, but someone asked me the same question the other day. Um, I wasn't in a pub, but um, <laughs> someone asked me the same question the other day. And I just said, maybe it's because, because of those things, you know, maybe because mm. you get an opportunity to grow with it. And I think if I look at the Warriors as a, as, as a, as a culture, they, they, they might enjoy a, a, a rookie coach, a guy that hasn't been there and done it before and is going to come in and say, this is it's my way or the highway, this is how it's got to be. They might enjoy someone with fresh ideas mm. who doesn't have a preconceived idea on how it definitely 100% has to be done this way. Do
2: you reckon that helps the senior players in the squad when it is a fresh coach as well? Because they think they can help or be of more assistance rather than, say, a grizzled guy that's been in the trade for 10 years turning up. Do you reckon that might be why some senior players might butt heads with some of those new coaches that come in like that sometimes? Do you, do you take on what the senior players sort of take on quite a bit of info from them? I think you're mad if you don't. Yeah. i think you mad if you don't um,
3: i think a senior player is not so much someone who's played games like yeah they're a yeah. senior player because they've been in there for 10 years i think a i think you, the better way to look at it is your leaders like because mm. if you're a leader not only of you are you experienced right but you're actually good at what you do and your opinion that you have is the benefit the best benefit for the team not for yourself so that's yeah. what the best leaders do as sort of senior players, some senior players can can say, I want their their opinion is because it's going to benefit them. Yeah. As yeah. If you look at it from a different way, they're experienced, they're the best players, they care about winning, they care about the squad more, they, they're all about the team, and then you really value their opinion. And if you don't listen to those guys, you're stupid. Yeah. You just got to work out. Who those good ones are? <laughs> yeah, and maybe and pick are. a couple of new ones, though. Eh? <laughs> and who they're not, you know, like we've we've got some, we've got some great leaders at, at, at our club, some really good leaders.
1: Yeah, hmm. I, I won't ask you who the good ones are and who they are, <laughs> Andrew, but, but but I have to ask you this: props. Um, yep. So we we lost two props that we had in the squad last year, which is Lodge and Penner, who's gone back to the Storm. Um, We've signed some players who can do a job at prop. You mentioned Nicore, um, Ford as well, who who can play prop, but you probably wouldn't say they're experienced um, players who have played a lot at prop. Can Can I ask you about where you see the, the prop um, position in the roster and also more generally how you see the middle third, how, how the middle third works in the modern game? Because we just saw Australia basically run out back rows at prop and win a World Cup, right? So I'm sort of curious in your broader thinking around that, how that looks.
3: Yeah, the best way to summarise it is our props and the best props in the NRL have to be fast. They have to be agile. So fast in a straight line. They need to cover the ground really well. Yeah. Um, um, and they've got, to, they've got to have foot speed. So yep. I know I've probably covered like, well, you just said they're fast. But, I mean, through contact, they're explosive. So mm. they might not necessarily be the be the tallest guy, but they might be really barrely chested, low to the ground, fast-moving. A really good example for me is Mitch Barnett's played back row um, for 70% of his career. Right? He's played a little bit in the middle. Mitch Barnett, if you put number 10, number 8, or number 13 on his back, he's got a point of difference because mm. he's fast through the middle third of the field. And I hate using that middle third of the field. He's fast through the middle of the field. Let's go there. Let's say yeah. that. and. And guys like that, you look at even Murata, who who could play edge back row for us. He, I just mentioned that he could play centre. Yeah, he could play in the NRL at centre. He played for the Kiwis this year at centre. And if he's in the middle of the field, he's going to cover ground way faster. If he did, he's going to cover ground way faster than your big traditional slow front row. The mm. game's changing. You got to be you got to be fit, fast, and strong. You have to be fit, fast, and strong. And I just think that's the way the game's going. And people might look at us and go, where's that real traditional front rower? Um, I think we've got them, but we've also got a real mixture mm. of, of what I just spoke about.
2: God, fit fast and strong. That is definitely our career done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'm <laughs> Well, well that, that segues to a question I've got about uh, some of the young guys. So we've got a couple of young props in the squad. Um, and... We've probably seen over the last few years a lot of junior players come up a bit early because of COVID. We didn't have anywhere to put them or we didn't mm-hmm. have the, the development system there. Um, and some of them have had more union than league backgrounds. Um, so interested in your view on the junior members of the top 30 and where you see them compared to you know the, the junior members of the top 30 at other clubs you've been at where they've had Stability and very good development systems. So are we probably a little bit behind the eight ball there, just because of circumstances?
3: Um, I, I don't think so. I think, I think, I think where we're at is our our players who have played a lot of NRL that are in the middle. I'd be really interested to see how much they're willing to give a younger guy an opportunity. And what I what I mean by that is how much are they going to fly for their spot and not let that young kid get past them? Because there's two ways to look at it from my opinion here at the moment is we've got some really good, really good middle middle forwards, really good, and we've got some young ones who are coming through. We've got we've got a couple that are 18, 19 that I think have been look like they've been in a n- no different system to any other NRL club. Um, but we got I think we've got some exceptional ones that, who I reckon might might fight them off, but we'll see how how hard the senior players want to say, you're not getting it, and yeah. how the young guys are saying, no, nah, nah, we're coming past you. Because there's always friendly competition. What I, I just yeah. meant by that is like, they get along really well all day. They're, they're good mates. Um, but someone's going to – they're going to have to fight for those spots because to answer your question, I think we've got some really good kids in those positions. Um, but – and it might be an injury, it might be just poor form, or it might be them just saying, No way, I'm I'm better than you blokes. I want this, I want this more. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see. So and that's it's exciting to have that that dilemma. But I I don't think we're in a poor situation where I've turned up and go, Oh my goodness, you can tell these guys have had nothing. Cause I, I think they obviously have. I think I think everyone's put time yeah. into these guys and they've done a really <laughs> good job considering that um, they've been away from New Zealand for the last three
0: years. Uh, Brad, you had a couple of hard-hitting questions for,
2: for Andrew. Yeah, the first one, you touched on Penrith and that as well. If they, and let's hope they don't, but if they go on a run of losses, string a few losses together, would you consider, if Ivan got the sack, would you consider getting him as an assistant over here? <laughs> 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 <Wait till laughs> that, I'll chuck him a lifeline. <laughs> uh-huh. that is the hardest hitting question i've had since I-
3: brad you've made history
2: you've made history
3: because i i have not had a question like that since i i've taken this job uh, that's a beauty mate um you don't have to answer if it gets too curly for to answer. But it yeah I might have someone else in mind but- no, let's just let's just have fun with it let's have yeah. fun with it yeah no, he, he he's an outside chance, mate. If he gets the sack, off, <laughs> I'll I'll make him send me CV. How's that sound? Seven tubes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can send him through. <laughs> send him through. Nah, good uh, on you, mate. That won't be happening. That won't What happen. about
1: that that ridiculously young coach the Bulldogs have got, Cameron Surado? He's only thirty something. I mean, he's you know he'd be another option for an assistant if it out, wouldn't he? <laughs>
3: mate, he'd be a very That'll good option. <laughs> very good option i just think oh that you got you boys that's hilarious those those questions are beauties <laughs> yeah that's sweet yeah well, i'm gonna ring thing? i'm gonna ring i'm gonna ring Ivan and say listen if <laughs> you get sacked you gotta prove to me that you're better than our assistants here it's gotta come through I, us first though it's gotta come through brad yeah, yeah. It's gotta yeah. Come no. through brad. <laughs> yeah to be serious, I'm very happy with our system, coaches. Very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer.
2: Good answer.
3: Mm. Uh, we were up to well, uh, your
0: your question about oh, the boys oh on the yeah, tools the other and day. you've
2: had the tools, so you've got them pre-seasons going, and then obviously got them doing different sort of things outside footy, just to probably they probably think it's just for a bit of fun, but you're probably measuring the man as well. I so see you had them out on the tools the other day. Being a Bill yeah. myself, spotted that. Um, who would you get to do you a new deck and who would you not get to fill up a bucket of sand for you? Well, well, I think I've got to look at it two ways because you're
3: going to need a guy who's intelligent enough and crafty enough to probably have the brains to put the deck together. And then you yeah. might have someone who's got to carry the timber and okay. dig, a, dig a couple of foot holes. Tom Ali was outstanding on that workday, so he'd get a start for sure. I think, I think he'd be your labour guy. I think yeah, 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 Good yeah, bloke yeah. to have
2: around too.
3: Great bloke, yeah. champion guy. good, good work ethic, and he he was actually the winner of the day. Oh, um, nice. Now I'm just trying to think of someone who'd be who'd be good with a hammer. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> stuck. Sean <laughs> Johnson. Well, out. Sean Johnson. <laughs> oh out. no, oh, he's, he's no good. We'll rule Sean out straight away. <laughs> yeah, he'd have his gloves on. He wouldn't get dirty. <laughs>
2: Not yeah. having hey. to dig
3: at the dude. I'll pick the short. Sean would be really good at being up on top of the other deck, looking down at that deck, just t- <laughs> t- telling people what to do, like a typical halfback. You'd be yeah. really good at that. Yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I've got a feeling about Chaz Tavana. You know, he comes from humble, humble upbringings. I reckon he'd be he'd be keen to get in there
2: and build. He looked deck. like he'd put a decent markup on materials, though. Yeah, well, he, <laughs> he wouldn't be the might. cheapest. I reckon he put a good fifteen percent on that Quelea deck in. Well. You didn't say that. You just said, who would you like to build it? If you, <laughs> yeah, if it's you're to able- pay for it still, <laughs> Trust's mate. Trust's got yeah. to come into it as well.
3: <laughs> if it's, costs, if it's yeah. costs, don't go with jazz. But, um, if you just want a great deck that is yeah. no one's ever going to fall off or or uh, injure themselves on, he's your man, I reckon. Jazz. Yeah. Wait. All right. Well, <laughs> we,
1: we loved, great. We love jazz on the pod, by the way. Yeah, we do. And
2: yeah. we, we do not dislike anyone. None of these are us slagging yeah, no, anyone. It's I all in jest.
0: I know. A um, couple from me, Andrew. Um, you talked about Ivan. Who you obviously work with a lot. Um, and you coming back to the club, there's a big selling point to a lot of fans, definitely to me, that you've mm. been at the Warriors before. Another guy that's spent a lot of time at the club, Andrew McFadden's also coming back. I was pretty excited about that. You obviously know each other well and work very closely together. Um, different roles this time for both of you. Um, yep. And Cappy is sort of an. Uncharted Waters um, himself, personally. Uh, how, will yep. your, how will your existing relationship sort of help both of you in this uh, very new period for both of you? It's
3: been really good. It's been really good so far. I mean, I uh, I was super excited Cappy was coming in that role. Um, I, like, like you said, I think it's important that it's someone that's been there before. So his experiences as a head coach and as an assistant coach at any club that's just... No worry about the Warriors for two seconds. Is he's, he's been in a lot of recruitment meetings, he's seen how that sort of pathway works. Cappy's um, real passion for a long time has been development of players. Um, so I think he's going to add a lot of value to that. And then you add the part where he's very good at, very good at um, obviously understanding what's, what's important about New Zealand locally. And that he can tie it all together. And the existing guys who have been doing a really good job with our with our pathway system, um, he's empowering them to continue that role. So um, our dealing salary cap meetings or any meetings with Habit Cappy, or if he rings me about a player or something's happening, have been really, really good. Loved it. It's, it's going great. So it's not quite that um, director of football type
0: role that we see at other clubs, but, you know, as he, he- be a sounding board for you as a coach
3: given that he's you know coached this very club definitely it has to be i mean you'd be dumb like i said before you'd be dumb not to listen to the right people and cappy's going to be one of those one of those guys um one because of his knowledge as a head coach yeah and like you say too because he's done it here so
1: mm. yeah no
3: i'll be i'll be definitely taking advice I think, I think that's the lucky thing i've got with all my staff all my assistant coaches have been head coaches um So yeah, Yeah, they've done quite
2: well there, haven't you? Sorry, I always forget the Pommy guys that
3: Richard, yeah, Richard, yeah, he's won Challenge Cups. Yeah, head coach of International Rugby League. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm blessed in that situation because when everything's going good, we all think we're great. But when times get tough or or something gets a bit niggly, I reckon they'll they'll be perfect for me in those situations.
0: Yeah, man. Um, you're coming from a fan base at Penrith that's had absolutely nothing to complain about for the past few <laughs> years. Um, no. coming, to, coming to a long-suffering Warriors fan base, um, who you're obviously pretty familiar with, and even during your time here, they're probably a fairly frustrated bunch. I think probably even more so now after the past few seasons. Um, yeah, you know them well. What's, what's your message to them? As, uh, you know? What have we got to look forward to?
3: Well, just, just just on that, it's I could, I'm sure they're frustrated because, um, you know, everyone wants to win. But um, I think they showed up in true colours. If you look at those returned home games to New Zealand, just how special they were yeah. um, and how they turned out in, in force. And to finish the – I think they they truly showed everyone just how important rugby league is in New Zealand and particularly mm. Auckland. But, in I mean, all of New Zealand loves the Warriors. Um Uh, The message to them is thank you, first of all, um, for the support I've been given already. Um, We're um, doing everything we can every day and we're working as hard as we can to to improve and change that. Um, First of all, everyone's going to understand and everyone has already just how important and and how special it is for those guys to wear that Warriors jersey. Um, The club before me have done a really good job at making everyone understand the past, the present and the future and which way we're going. Um, and just the message is please bring your support. Um, love round one or you know, to be sold out. We're taking the game to Wellington, so you know, fans traveling or people down, down in Wellington we'll love to have you there. We're going, going up,
0: aren't we well,
2: it's your birthday, mate. It's my birthday that day. We're coming, we're coming right. up to the Wellington for, for the weekend to go to that game. Yeah, good, yeah, they good the a dream. dream. We could probably get them.
0: Him out on the field, couldn't you? Like for, yeah, see for if Bunty to... will write
2: my name on his wrist
3: yeah. of the game. Don't do that. <laughs> on your wrist when Bunty yeah. scores a try, he'll go to the camera and show yeah. Brad. Exactly, <laughs> man. Exactly. <laughs> You'd exactly.
1: be, be the le- least deserving um Bunty, Bunty <laughs> recipient. No, but I mean, I, I think like <laughs> we 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 understand that you know success doesn't come overnight. We understand that you don't flip a switch and win comps, you know. I think. The thoughtful fans out there, and there's there's a lot of those in the Warriors fan base, understand that you got to build something if you want to earn something. And I think that, you know, from my perspective, I'm I'm watching to see um, evidence of that build. And I don't I don't need to see the finished product next year round one or next year round twelve. Just need to see the progress. The progress is what it's about. If you're moving forward. You're going to end up in a good place. That's that's my attitude to it, Andrew, in terms of and I think that's most thoughtful fans' attitude.
3: I feel like most fans have the attitude, and correct you you guys are fans, so correct me. And I, I love Rugby League. I was, a, you know, I'm I'm a fan of the game, is they just want to walk away proud of their team, yeah. proud that you know what today they had a crack, you know, and and there are things that they've improved, they've improved in. And yeah, I can see progression, I can see them going in the right direction very very similar to what you say i mean people always talk to me about what's your expectations what do you want I, like i said it before I just I reckon if we see the fruits of our training and our identity that what's actually happening on the training field is actually transferring to the field then we're going to be in a lot better shape than um, than we have been uh, i think the fans would be proud of that um, but as far as kpis and I know you're not asking this question but i'll go there it's like Results, how many games are you going to win? Webby, are you going to win the comp? You know, every single NRL team is trying to win as many games as possible. <laughs> um, that's, that's the truth. And every NRL team has gone out the window where our goal this year is to make the top eight. That doesn't exist. It just doesn't yeah. exist. You know, that's not it. Everyone's got the same goal. But, yeah. but you know, our, our, our job is we have to be a reflection of the way we train. Um, and if we do that, we're going to give ourselves enough opportunity to win games of football.
2: Some of the proudest I've been as a Warriors supporter was the back end of that year, Toddy Payton had them rolling. Yes. When he was yes. in charge. And they were losing games, and I was fizzed. I was proud. Like, all of a sudden, you go, you could go to work and being in a rugby sort of stronghold down here, they'd take the piss out of you about the Warriors losing again. but It's like, mate, have you seen the game? They played awesome. Like, you could actually say... Yeah, it was all yeah. like the way he had them steaming along. It was, a, uh, it's probably good that he did leave because we've got you now. But um, <laughs> he, had, he had them rolling. You know what I mean?
3: mate, all oh mates with your Toddie Payton. Oh, he seems a like a good Payton. dude. He's a good he's dude, on to it. Yeah, he's onto it. No, I, I'm, I'm more than happy for him, mate. Um, yeah, no, but you do. You, you just want to be proud of him. You know, yeah. Like, there's, every part of us. Hang on, no. Everyone would say, no, we want to win. Right, and you do. I want to win everything I do, but you minimum minimum. You want to walk away. I'm proud of the way they played today. Yeah, I'm proud of it. Yeah,
1: Perform- performance comes first, wins follow. Right. Yeah, yeah.
3: That's it's a boring thing, but
0: that's true. That's true. That's a good point you make, though, because you know, obviously, um, yeah, it's not just about where you finish. You want to be proud of of what you're doing, how you're playing. Um, I look back at the years that you were an assistant, and I'm. On uh, Cappy stuff and yep. 2014, you guys came within a whisker of making the finals after the coach and change mis- mid-season. Obviously, 2015 there was some that great mid-season charge before Sean got injured. I mean, those are the years that that I really look at as, as being proud of as a Warriors fan. Look back in them, even though we didn't make the finals with yep. you know, through rose tinted glasses almost. And you know, yeah, with yeah. My pride, I'll go back and watch the highlights all the time last couple of years there hasn't really been any of that i don't, can't really imagine um going back and watching the highlights of any of those games maybe to see reese walsh when he first came on the scene that that's just an honest sort of reflection of, of the last couple yep. of years i feel like a lot of fans are maybe in the same boat um don't really have a question on the back of that but you know i guess that's what you're trying to um reinstall on the, the team and the club like at yeah team that you that the fans are super pumped about even if we can't quite get there initially um, that we're excited to get behind every week
3: yeah uh, i i just I, I i've got to be really careful here that i'm, I'm not setting our expectations too low um, okay. and i'm certainly not i'm not putting the cart before the horse as in um, you've got to chase this you got to chase this goal boys. you have to yeah. chase it and i'm talking I'm imagine I'm sitting here talking in front of our players right now, and the fans can understand what the message here is. Like, like, but we've got to worry about winning exactly what's in front of us right now. You know what I mean? And 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 honestly, people do put the cart before the horse. If you're honestly thinking about your dream, what you're going to chase, how you're going to chase it. I mean, I've got to get there. I've got to get there. But yeah, but what have I got to do now? How how what have I got to do right now that's going to help me get that goal? So. That's what yeah. we're focusing on a lot, and I just hope that the the fans are happy with the result
2: because yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah.
1: we'll be we'll be happy if we see it moving in the right direction, Andrew. Honestly, yeah. that's yep. that's all. That's it's all. It yeah. is. I'd love to
2: be a fly in the ointment, just type team as well, just spoiling spoiling things for people. All year. That would <laughs> that would fizz me up as well. You know what? <laughs> we don't need competition wins to make make you proud to buy that no. Warriors jersey or be no. near it.
1: We're proud yeah. of the club and what yeah. the club stands for. And, uh, you know, if, if the jersey reflects that, then we're happy and the results are the next thing. That's how, that's how we look at it. Mm, cool. Um, cool. So, last question from me, just on footy it's around the halves, um, Andrew. So, we've seen yep. a lot of teams moved away from sided halves like Penrith, for example. You got a more on the ball seven. Um, do you think that's a, a trend or a, a better model? in the NRL or is it very much dependent on who you've got in your halves and how you're going to play?
3: Yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple of, there's a couple of styles there. So if you look at, um, if you look at your number seven and he's a real organizer, he needs to touch the ball a lot. So one, he can get them around by the way he passes the football and he can get them around with his voice. So he's constantly in the game and there you're on the ball halves. So Nathan Cleary is one of them. Adam Reynolds, one of them. Yeah. The the latest one, I think that the Warriors have had that rule on the ball set, and it's probably been a Blade Green.
1: Yep. Um, mm-hmm.
3: Then you look at so everyone's saying, do you need to have one of those? And then there's all there's a bit of a trend going on, like a Chad Townsend. He does that for the Cowboys, right? Yep. He's that on the ball half, organised and did and runs. And then there's another little trend that's happening in the game where you've got a lot of X five eights and a lot of ex-fullbacks who um, are in your spine. So that, that sounds – I'll put into context for you. Let's let's look at Melbourne Storm. Jerome Hughes was a fullback. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pappenhausen's an out-and-out fullback. What M- – Munster, what did he start as? As a fullback? Yep. yep. So they don't have that real on-the-ball organisational half, but any of those boys can touch the ball at any time and be a threat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they've just gone, we're all out threat. Yep. You look mm-hmm. at the sharks, the Daily M Player of the Year, Nico Hines. What did he fill in at Melbourne Storm as fullback? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt Moylan. What did he play a lot of in a role at at fullback? You know what I mean. And now he's in the he's in the halves. So you, there's there's your traditional way where you got people. It just comes down to exactly what you said. What is suited for your current roster? So Sean's an X six, in my opinion. He's worn that seven a lot of his career. But he's a running at his best. He's a running half. Tomati Martin's a running half. Chance is, is a running fullback. So mm-hmm. we have to be that style of play, and that, that can be a scoop for everyone. You know, we have to play to our strengths.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> I said that was my last one. I'll throw one more in. 80-minute hookers. 80-minute hookers. So we saw the Kiwis play um, the cheese at you know as an 80-minute hooker and he got gassed in, in a big game against Australia. Do you think the 80-minute hooker has a role going forward? Is weighed an 80. I mean, he's played 80, but is that the right model going forward? Do we need a, a hooker rotation?
3: Yeah, well, let, let, let's say you've got like uh let's say you've got a hooker on the bench that is not an out and out hooker. Let's say his job is there to play a bit of lock, yeah, maybe a bit of front row, yep. maybe a bit of second row. He's kind of like a utility guy for you. Um, and then let's say you've got, let's say goal like at or let's say any club. You got yep. a number nine who can play eighty if he has to, but if there's an opportunity to give him a rest, there you will. Yeah. So I think it's sort of going that way. So you look at so this, um, South; they got Saliva Sol- Helvilli there, who's who's a lock mm. if Damian Cook doesn't need to come off the field. Mm. Yeah, you've got you've got um, Penrith in the past, Apicorossau, who's uh, can play eighty. But if there's a little time period there, they'll put Mitch Kenny on tonight. But if Appy doesn't need the rest and everything's fine, Mitch Kenny, he'll go on and play front row. He'll go on and play lock. Yeah. Um, so I think I think the pattern is you've got to have a plan. If the game, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of energy used by your nine in the way the game, the ball's in play a lot or they're making a huge amount of tackles or there's a lot of exhaustion in that part of the field, in his role, then you've got to have a plan to be able to sub them.
1: If you go so, out yeah. with
3: an all-out plan, I'm not taking – if you say I'm not taking my nine <laughs> off today, there's no way. I don't care. I'm not taking him off. I don't care. I don't care if he's made 80 tackles. He ain't coming off the field today.
2: If you do that, yeah, you've got to have yeah. a plan. So, yeah. So, Jazz at 14 then, is it? Well, <laughs> <laughs> covered a few positions here. <laughs> well, there's, there's so like for us? Freddie
3: Freddie Lussick is extremely tough. Yeah, right? he's good, and
2: he? he was a nice little find last year. Yeah,
3: he's tough. Um, like young Nella, we've been playing him a bit of lock in in, in training. Mm. We've been, we've got Dylan Walker. I saw him play eighty minutes at hooker last year, and we all know Jazzy can do that role. Mm. So, so they're. They're not versatile where you're going to see Freddie Lusick on the wing, no. but if, if yeah. everything's going good and, and something's fine, then Freddie can go on and play somewhere, else, like front row, you know. He was an like awesome said,
2: tempo change last year, yeah, yeah. So He just changed the tempo in the centre there in the middle, yep. and then Wado come on to close it on the games that we played well. Yeah. But but well, yeah, it was a nice little tempo change.
3: Yeah. So you just gotta you gotta have a plan and you just yeah. gotta say, if I'm carrying someone on the bench, because if you do it the way you're talking about, it, if you if you take your hooker off after 30 minutes and then you put your bench hooker on mm-hmm. and then you put him back on, then what happens is you're using two changes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you've got to be very smart because you just can't use up too many subs, but you can't be dumb because you need you need guys who are fresh enough to be able to perform at a high level on that role because they are so important, so important. Mm. Mm. Uh, we've
0: probably taken up enough enough of your time, so we'll come to our sort of last call questions, um, Andrew. And Remember. we haven't offended you too much so far, I think. So, <laughs> done all right. I haven't
3: offended me once. you may be offended. Ivan, <laughs> <laughs> screw it.
0: Hey, he's, yeah. he's just he's just the coach. He's just the coach, Andrew. We were going to ask if you could flick him a text, see if he'd be our next guest, but I guess that's out now. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's uh,
0: over. But, but we do. We're all big music fans here, and we have asked our previous guests, uh, you know, what their musical tastes are. And so, when the boys clear out of the gym, what are you? Uh, what are you putting on the over the loudspeakers in the gym, mate? I'm assuming you don't
3: have quite the same taste as the uh, as the, boys from the, the squad. Oh, I'm laughing so hard. The reason I'm laughing is because I I've got probably nine songs on my playlist <laughs> on my phone, and they would be the Rocky soundtrack. They would be they would be ACDC. They would be, um, honestly, the most embarrassing, corny, motivational songs you've ever heard. To the point where if I ever was in charge of the gym music, and someone came in halfway through, they would turn it straight off, straight <laughs> off. <laughs> There's no, no variation in it at all, and it's awful. Um, but I've, when I'm at home with the wife and we're chilling, we've got a barbecue. I'm starting to cook a barbecue. We've been putting on a bit of country music, modern yeah, country.
2: Nice, nice. yeah, know, yeah, so, Cameron
3: George, you got a bit of common ground there. Yeah, I know. Don't please don't say too much. But yeah,
2: <laughs> see in the jeans and the boots together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What shirt tucked in.
3: <laughs> and mate, I even wore a couple of flannos last couple of weeks. So, look out.
2: Now it's good. Right. I'm a country
3: boy at heart. All my family's from the country. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. It's right, so- a, a good deal, the old country. I've been dipping my toes lately as well.
1: Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, what do you do to decompress, Andrew, when you're away from footy, away from all of this? you got two weeks off. What do you do?
3: Uh, I'm a socializer. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. I yeah, enjoy hanging out with my mates. Um, yeah. I love golf. I'm awful at it. Absolutely love golf. Um, yeah. I'm going a, I'm to a lock myself down in a resort and not leave the resort, but yeah. I can only do that for three days. Yeah. So that would be three of the three of the fortnight, and then it would be golf, socialising, restaurants. Um, yeah. nice. Love sport, love all sports. But, yeah, I, I love spending time with friends and family. That's for sure. How was your team as a kid? I was the Balmain Tigers. Oh, were you Balmain, Balmain Tigers. Tigers through and through? Yeah, Balmain, yeah. I was. Um, I came through in the uh, 88, 89, 90, 91 sort of era where they were. Yeah,
2: well, that was but, the first ever league game we got on TV in New Zealand was that grand final. What was it, Well, Balmain-Canberra. I mean, Raiders. Yeah. The extra time. Yeah, that broke me heart.
3: I
1: cried yeah. like a girl that day. Andrew, you and I are exactly the same age, and we grew yeah. up about 10K apart from each other, I think. And we both came through as Balmain and have both ended up warriors as it happens. So there you yeah, go. Well, a, there there you there go. You There's a go. nice little finishing note. And, and and Aussie from that part of Sydney can end up a diehard warrior. No doubt. <laughs> I, I grew up a Balmain fan. And uh, when the merger happened, I just couldn't get behind the merged entity and I kind of slipped and didn't have a club. And I was a big fan of international 40 and love going to New Zealand. So I, ended up just, just organically over time, I just became a Warriors fan. And yeah, right. I, I love the game a lot. And so I wanted to put my energy into um, supporting that club and the content around it. And so that's how come I'm part of this podcast. So uh, Andrew Andrew has an NRL team to go and coach,
0: so we better let him go. But um, I can honestly say this has been a, a real thrill for us and a fantastic interview on behalf of all of us. Um, thank you for your... Uh, for your honesty and and um, yeah and, and for giving us the time of day, really, it's uh, it's awesome. To have yeah. you on. We can't wait to see what you do with this team, and we're um, backing you all
3: the way, mate. Absolute pleasure, and boys, I, I can tell you guys come from a good heart, and you 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 care a lot. So I, oh, it's an absolute pleasure, and thank you for having me on.